pet owners are passionate people, treating their animals as part of the family and going to great lengths to take care of them. Besides basic needs like food, water, grooming, and love, many pet advocates say there is one thing that is crucial to caring for pets, spaying and neutering them. Doing this procedure prevents an overpopulation of animals that can be put at risk for euthanasia when they overrun shelters. Local services exist to help people with the cost and availability of spaying and neutering pets, but for many pet owners, it is still difficult to find those resources. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and on today's Noon Edition, we'll talk about the challenges of spaying and neutering animals in rural areas. Join our conversation and share your experience after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu. Well, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. There's a lot of work that goes into properly caring for dogs and cats, and many pet advocates argue that spaying and neutering your animals is one of the most important things that you need to do. In many cities, nonprofits offer these services at reduced costs, but pet owners in rural areas often don't have access to spaying and neutering services. On this week's Noon Edition, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we have three guests with us in the studio. We have two in the studio and one on the phone. Our guests are Charlotte Walker of Pets Alive in Bloomington, Sarah Delone of the Monroe County Humane Association, and joining us by phone is Sue Ann Whirling of the Brown County Humane Society. If you want to join us on the program, you can call us at 855-0811 in Bloomington, or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the local area. You can also join a live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So there are lots of ways you can reach us today during this uh, beautiful spring break day. Yeah. And we hope you, you're listening, but you'll call us and tell us about uh, your experiences with your dogs and cats and spaying and neutering. So welcome to everybody. Hi, Bob. Hey, Mary Catherine. Happy spring. Thanks. Thanks, Charlotte. And yeah, thanks for having Sarah, me. nice to see you in the studio. And Sue Ann, nice to have you from Brown County. So, we, As uh, some folks in here know, I'm a, a big pet guy. So this is a topic that's really important to me and, and um, really of, of a lot of interest. And I, I want to ask Sarah first to, to sort of talk about the reason. I mean, Monroe County Humane Association is an educational group. So what's the reason that people really need to be spaying and neutering? Absolutely. There are any number of reasons that spaying and neutering is a good idea. Um, For one thing, for the health of your animal, there are many kinds of cancers that your animal will not get once it's spayed and neutered. For the ease of training and ease of um, having a good, calm family member, spayed and neuter pets tend to be a little bit more um, mellow overall. 
and yet they can still be wonderfully active pets. A lot of people think there's their animal might get fat when they get spayed or neutered. Well, that's only if you stop exercising them and stop doing things. All my dogs and cats are always spayed and neutered, and it's certainly possible to keep them very active and very fit mm-hmm. while they're spayed after they're spayed and neutered. Yeah, I was going to ask what some of the myths um, or, and, and are that go along with spaying and neutering. I, I know there are other obstacles that people face, but what are some of the myths that you've heard over the years? Like, oh, I don't want to do that because... Oh, well, there there's any number, and I'm sure Charlotte hears tons of them <laughs> as well, but one of them is, um, you know, the, the weight thing that your dog will get big, fat, and lazy. Um, there's a myth that animals should have one litter before they're spayed, that that's good for them, which really couldn't be any farther from the truth. Um, people want to have their children experience the miracle of birth. That can be a great one. You can do that by fostering for the animal shelter mm. and take in um, babies. If you want to raise baby animals, there's always plenty mm. to raise. Uh, what are some of the ones you've heard? People Charlotte. love their pets so much that they just want to have more of their pets. Um, it's not always <laughs> uh, the, the case. They're not going to be little clones or replicas. Um, and meanwhile, the bigger picture is they all they all need homes and they're just aren't enough. Um, mm-hmm. Another common one we hear is, you know, I don't want my pet to lose his manhood. Well, he's a dog or a cat, so it's okay. He's <laughs> <It's> doghood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not super attached to that yep. going in. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> Sue Ann, uh, in uh, Brown County, uh, you know, you have maybe a little different situation than we have in Bloomington because Brown County is mostly a rural population. Can you talk about the issues of spaying and neutering out there? Well, uh, yes, of course. Um, Certainly we have probably, um, in terms of a lot of uh, barns and things like that, we have a a lot of kitties Um, and and a lot of kitties that are not uh, being, quote, owned by anyone, and they're making babies. And so we see a lot of that. We see a lot of these what we would call feral colonies, these groups of kitties that exist, and they continue to make babies. And uh, some of those kitties end up in the shelters. Mm. And that's where we get that overpopulation um, and intake numbers really very high uh, on kitties. Do you have a feral uh, cat population group or a group that's working to control the feral cat population in Brown County? We do. We do. It's our spot program. It's part of um, our Humane Society. It's a program within our, our, our organization. And what we do is we go out, we meet with residents, we educate them on uh, the way that uh, staying and neutering will help their animals. Uh, as far as a feral colony issue, uh, we actually have traps. Mm-hmm. And we'll go out and train people how to use those traps and trap those kitties. And then we bring them in and we get them to fix their pets alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, is it true that feral cats, I, I would imagine that they have a very high rate of euthanasia once they get to the shelter because they aren't, is it true they aren't very easy to adopt? Well, it is difficult. It is more difficult. Uh, but uh, we're fortunate in the fact that we do live in a rural area that we do have people that would like to have, quote, barn kitties mm-hmm. that can reside in their barns. In other places, you're absolutely right. It is difficult. Uh, at our shelter, uh, we wouldn't euthanize a, a feral. We would try to rehome it in, a, in the appropriate location. 
that might be suitable for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I, I want to ask this question. Uh, I've asked Sarah this before. I think she knows the answer to this. But, but the, uh, the the statistic that always really floors me is how many cats uh, can how often cats can reproduce? How many how many kittens an unaltered cat can produce over a lifetime? And Sarah, what's the number? I'm, There's a lot of different statistics, but uh, the one that sits in my mind the most is if you take a pair of cats over a seven-year period, all of those cats and their offspring and their grand offspring, um, you could easily end up with about 420,000 cats after seven years. So that just kind of gives you an an idea of the scope of the problem. I mean, if you just get some of them spayed or neutered, it can considerably cut down on those numbers. We have no shortage of cats. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go to the phone. We've got a phone call already. So Valerie from Owen County is on the phone. Valerie? Um, yeah, I just had a comment, a bit of information that I wasn't sure that you were aware of. I'm in Owen County and have been for almost 40 years, and you know we've got more than our share of surplus cats and dogs and limited uh, animal shelter situation. And I didn't know if you were aware that there is a clinic called the SPOT Clinic, which is an acronym for something uh, that uh, Dr. Nancy Ferguson started. It's right at the south edge of Cloverdale, and I've taken numerous animals up there to be spayed, and they also have low-cost vaccinations and, you know, exams for things like, well, heartworm tests and uh, ear mites, and, you know, it's not a full-service veterinary hospital, but they'll do the surgery and vaccinations and just some basic stuff, and uh, it's listed in, well, I know it's in the Spencer phone book. I mm-hmm. don't have the number on me, but it's right on 231, right, 231 and 42, the mm-hmm. intersection there right at the south edge of Cloverdale, and it's very reasonable price, so for Owen County and Putnam County and, you know, over this way, I just wanted to make sure your listeners knew about it. Okay, thanks. Valerie, Valerie calls some, and I have to ask you this question. Do you have... Dogs and cats? Do I have dogs and cats? Yeah, yeah. I have I have a dog and a cat, and the cat that I've got was kind of the neighborhood stray female mommy cat, always having babies all over the place. Uh-huh. She finally moved in with me, and I suspected she was pregnant at the time. You know, she was basically skin and bones, except for this belly that kept getting bigger. And so I took her up to the spot clinic, and she was about halfway through the pregnancy, and you know we had her spayed and. I have her now, and she's a wonderful, sweet, lovable, spoiled, rotten cat. <laughs> okay. She's not having any more babies. All right. All right, and Valerie. My dog is spayed as well. Good. Good. All right. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Bye. Okay. The phone numbers again are 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. You can join a live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Charlotte, you were sort of nodding when she was talking about the spot clinic. Yes, actually. Um, Dr. Nancy Ferguson that mm-hmm. she referred to, their founder, actually is now one of our full-service, um, or full-time, not full-service, or full-time veterinarians. Mm-hmm. We have two full-time vets on staff um, to do these surgeries. We do about 80-plus a day. Wow. Um, in order to do that, we have to have the commitment of vets. If, if they were volunteering their time and being generous but one of their clients had an issue, they would have to step away for that, and that leaves us in, in a bind <laughs> to get those surgeries done and get those pets back to their, their owners. 
Well, yeah. let's, let's sort of back up a little bit and, and let you and Sarah both talk about what your organizations do. Pets Alive um, is rel- relatively new compared to the Humane Association. But uh, can you talk about why Pets Alive was founded and, and what you do? Yeah, we actually were founded in '02 as a response to the euthanasia <sighs> rates at the Bloomington Animal Shelter. And we did a lot of things with the shelter as far as um, trying to get more pets adopted. We figured that's how we'll get the rate down. And it just wasn't successful. And, you know, you'd have a few adoptions, but you'd have 10 times as many animals come in that day. So we found that spay-neuter was the, the solution to overpopulation. Um, the only way to reduce the, the number of pets being euthanized is the number reducing the number that comes to the door. There's a statistic from Spay USA and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention that says, you know, for every one person that's born, there are seven pets that are born. So there just Mm. will never be enough homes for these animals. So we've got to um, reduce the number of animals that need homes. So in 2005 is when we opened our doors as an actual nonprofit spay-neuter clinic. And that's our primary focus. And we're doing surgeries for animal shelters. We do most of the surgeries for Bloomington Animal Shelter. We go there daily. So that way they're offering pets for adoption who've been fixed and they're not potentially, you know, contributing to their own problem. (laughs) And the really great thing as far as the rural areas go, um, you know, I think, Stu, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think Brown County has one veterinary office or how many do you have? We have two. Two, yeah, for a whole county (laughs) full of people. Mm -hmm. Right, Um, right. So if people even have the resources and the desire to do so, it still might be challenging to do that. So that's why we're going to right now, we're going to 23 different South Central Indiana counties, um, picking up adoptable animals. um, And a lot of these shelters will say, Pets Alive will be here on this day, sign up and bring your own pet as well. Um, And then some of them are just groups of volunteers and community. We're going all the way to... um, Terre Haute and Vigo County. We're going to um, Franklin County on the Ohio border, up to Henry County on the north side, and down to Orange County on the south side. Um, we charge less than half of what it cost us. So right now it's $30 to fix a cat or $60 for a dog. And that could fit in people's budgets. Um, but if you have to drive to Bloomington from Terre Haute, not going to happen mm-hmm. for the stray cat that showed up. And so what's really helpful, especially in Monroe County, when that $30 and $60 fee is too much, we can look to organizations and refer people to the Monroe County Humane Association, who offers vouchers to help further cover that cost and make it a, a reality for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a good segue to Sarah. So, Sarah, the MCHA? Yes, the MCHA has actually been around since 1956 and was involved in the very first shelter that we had in Monroe County. And we've been involved ever since. And Spay Neuter is one of our biggest programs, one of the programs we are very passionate about. And when the shelter did it, ex- did the expansion about 10 years ago, as part of the fundraising that we did to help build that shelter, we also put $100,000 towards spay-neuter um, that really boosted our spay-neuter efforts over a seven-year period where we were able to spend more than 30000 a year mm-hmm. t- directly towards spay-neuter surgeries for quite a bit of time while Pets Alive was ramping up. Um, spay-neuter is still a huge uh, program for us and very focused. We, t- we offer about 1,000 vouchers a year to lower-income families and individuals who can then um, – it often doesn't pay the whole cost of the surgery, but it can get their co-pays down – to about $20 for a dog or about $10 for a cat Mm -hmm. if they go to the Pets Alive clinic. Mm -hmm. So it can make a big difference in whether people can afford to get that surgery done. Sarah, does the Monroe County Humane Association um, have an overarching goal to get us to a community
community that's a no-kill community? Oh, absolutely. We would love to see that. Um, and, and I think everybody would love to see that, that we would not have to euthanize any adoptable animals. And we've come such a long way with the help of Pets Alive and all the groups. Um, back in 1978, about 75% of the animals that came into the Bloomington Animal Shelter were euthanized. Last year, it was just over 20%. Wow. So that's a huge, huge number. And also, the numbers are going down um, directly as a result of spaying and neutering. Mm-hmm. Um, the past two years were the first two years that there were fewer than 5,000 animals coming into the Bloomington Animal Shelter and more than 2,000 being adopted. Mm. So it's, it's an exciting time, but there's more work to be done. Mm-hmm. 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 Sue Ann, I want to give you the opportunity to answer the same question about the Brown Is it the Humane Society in Brown County? Is that correct? It's, it's the Brown County Humane Society. Uh-huh. Um, we are an open admission shelter that accepts all uh, Brown County strays and homeless cats and dogs. Um, what's awesome about this organization is that we do have an outstanding save rate of 95%. Uh, we've been able to maintain that since about 2010. Ironically, 2010 is when we started our spot program mm-hmm. or staying and neutering. And since 2010, uh, well, actually at the end of 2009, the number of intakes coming into our shelter was 1,420 pets. Since spot, four years later, we're at 727 pets wow. yearly coming into the shelter. That's almost a 50% reduction. It's absolutely the way to go, and it's just so huge to the health of our animals here in Brown County. I'd like to ask each of you if you feel that um, you've made progress as far as people's attitudes towards spaying and neutering. I know that um, we've been doing a, sh- a show uh, along these lines for many years, and um, I was always surprised that we'd get people who would call and feel really quite passionately uh, against spaying and neutering. Are you seeing those attitudes change uh, over time? I definitely, I work a lot in the schools. I'm the education director for the Humane Association. And so I do between 200 and 300 programs a year, many of them for the lower elementary school levels. And then I also participate in the Franklin Initiative's reality store, Mm -hmm. where seventh and eighth graders learn about balancing their budget and Mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things. And I run the pet table there. And one of the things we talk about with those seventh and eighth graders is spaying and neutering and their attitudes towards that. And over the years, I've noticed more and more kids, when I suggest spaying and neutering, they say, oh, of course we'll do that. Of course. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the first couple years I did it, I saw much more resistance. Hmm. And you'll have a few, you know, a few um, kids who don't want to do that. But in general, they say, oh, of course. And even when they had to pay an extra fee um, to do that during the reality store, I would say at least 75 to 80 percent of the kids who bought pets went ahead and got them spayed and neutered. Wow. So, And what we find is there are a majority of people who want to get their pets fixed. They're just not aware of the resources or think they're not poss- you know, it's not a possibility. There definitely are people who have their the reasons or there are some myths, and those tend to be more prevalent in, our, in the rural communities. I think about, I grew up in a rural community, and, and I know the mindset of, of my family and our neighbors. 
but the difference for me and my family was education. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, really we strive. And so when someone comes to us and they say, well, we just wanted to have one litter, we work really hard to make sure, well, here are the pros and cons of that, mostly the cons, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and try to encourage them to not do so, but really, really work hard on making sure that we don't tell them that they're a bad person for not fixing their pet. We want to form a relationship with them and sort of stay on positive terms and give them that information that hopefully will change their mind. And with Sue Ann and the SPOT program in Brown County, they do a great job of building relationships and establishing trust with the the residents in in Brown County to to help um, encourage them to get their pets fixed. Mm -hmm. All right. If you have questions or comments about spaying and neutering animals, if you've had, uh, if you've got pets at home and you want to talk to us about that, please give us a call, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the local area. You can also join the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So, Sue Ann, we've got you for about another five minutes. So um, in Brown County, what, what is your biggest issue when it comes to to um, animal welfare? Well, you know, I, I think in general it is um, the, the, the fact that, that a lot of people don't uh, necessarily have the resources mm-hmm. to, to be able to do what they need to do for their pets, mm-hmm. uh, such as spaying and neutering. Uh, what we've done with our SPOT program is this is actually an outreach program. We're going to their homes. We're trying to figure out what their needs are, and we're trying to educate them on what we need to do for their pets. Um, so with this program, we're not only offering, which is our, our uh, biggest emphasis, is on spay-neuter services, but at low cost. And if they're not able to afford that low cost, then we will find a way for them to get it done. We've had some very generous donors over the, the past few years that have been able to subsidize mm-hmm some of these costs for spay-neuter. And that's really huge for these people because Mm -hmm. a lot of them are really stressed when they're having litter after litter after litter. When they have a resource to to stop the cycle, they're very, very happy. So we're out there trying to educate them on how to do that, and we're also providing assistance to them to keep their pets in their homes. Were there specific issues this, you know, we had a really bad winter. Were there specific issues this winter that you had to deal with? Yeah. Yes, uh, and there is every winter, uh, but but you're right. This winter was really not a good winter for a lot of animals that were outside. So what our spot program, we offer free straw to all outside pets, uh, cats and dogs specifically. Uh, We also offer uh, dog houses Hmm. if they need some sort of housing. We also offer uh, food assistance if that is needed. You know, so many people are having trouble with work now and that kind of thing and being able to feed their pets. What's important to us is those pets are able to stay in their homes. So Mm -hmm. if we have uh, food available, we'll provide that assistance to them. Okay, so I'm going to ask the mean question. Does anybody come in to adopt who, uh, you know, is is already experiencing financial, uh, you know, living close to the edge? And do you say, hey, you know what, probably this might not be the best time in your life to bring a, bring a pet into your world? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. We do have uh, and, and need to have those kind of conversations. We need to make sure that those pets that are going to a specific specific home, uh, that they are able to, to, 
to care for them. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those are the tough conversations we need to have yeah. with those folks. I uh, try to educate them on the costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people do come in and want to adopt a pet, but they don't realize mm-hmm. you need heartworm preventative. Mm-hmm. You need you need those yearly shots. You need that yearly rabies shot. Mm-hmm. So we do try to educate them on what's needed if you decide to adopt from us. Right. It's so much more than just food and water, isn't it? Absolutely. All right. We're going to go quickly to the phones. Uh, Jake from Johnson County is on the line. Jake? Yes. Hey, go right ahead. Um, I just wanted to bring up the fact, too. Uh, first of all, I think that spay-neuter is, I mean, it should, for me, it's a must if you're adopting pets. And um, But I wanted to touch on the... Uh, particularly with domestic cats, the uh, stray and feral overpopulation and how important spay and neuter is to that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a yeah, huge Charlotte. problem. And mm-hmm. when this cat, sh- the cats are so hard because, you know, if you see a dog running loose in the neighborhood, everyone <laughs> scrambles right. and tries mm-hmm. to, to do right, something. Right. Mm-hmm. If you see a cat running loose, well, it might be a neighbor, and if, <laughs> so you might not do anything about it. Or if you try to do something about it, you're bound to be unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Normally, yeah. Yep. So what we do, we offer um, at Pets Live feral cat traps. They're humane traps where a cat goes in and can't come back out. Um, and we offer those mostly for free. We ask for a $50 check that we don't cash, and when you bring it back to us, we just hand your check back. Um, mm-hmm. And it gives people the opportunity to, to, to take some sort of control over a situation that they're having in their area. Mm-hmm. In 2012, we've been doing them for a long time. In 2012, we did um, 311 surgeries like this. Last year in 2013, we offered free feral cat surgeries. Um, and we did over, let's see, um, 367 in one month. We did. Oh, my gosh. We did. So wow. in one month, we did more than in a year. Um, and the really great thing is we're doing this for all 23 counties that we serve. Um, so people can put the trap out the night before we're coming to their county mm-hmm. um, and then show up the next morning with this trapped cat, have it fixed, kind of comes back to them, and they'll release it and have this, you know, because a lot of people don't mind feeding the stray cats. Mm-hmm. It, that's not the issue. It's the stray cats that they keep creating. Mm-hmm. Um, so by offering this resource to people, we you know, we had people who were taking time off of work and brought us, multiple people brought us over 20 cats. Um, the last time we did this in October. So we're really excited to be able to do this again. And um, next month in April, actually, with funding from PetSmart Charities, we'll be doing free feral cat surgeries again. And it really makes a difference because um, a lot of times they aren't adoptable. It's harder for shelters to, to, to deal with them. So this can really put a, a cap on that population. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then you mark all the cats, too, don't you, mm-hmm. so that you can tell whether they've been fixed? Because I know a lot of times people will see a cat out there and they don't know whether it's been spayed or neutered or not. If it's just a neighborhood or community cat, they're starting to be called now. Mm-hmm. And there's... Um, thing that you guys do that's really helpful. Yeah, so we ear tip all the cats. I think I believe it's on their left ear. Um, but so it's just while they're under anesthesia for surgery, we just take off the tip of their ear. And it's, it's pretty small, um, but it's enough that from a distance you can tell Okay, this cat's been um, vaccinated and neutered. They're fine. And if you're the person who's dealing with 20-plus cats, it's nice if you get a cat in a trap who already has that ear tip, you can just let them go. Um, You don't take your time and and stress the cat out more by making them go through that again. Um, In Bloomington, it's really great, too. Um, If a cat... A ear tip cat comes to the Bloomington Animal Shelter. They'll contact Feral Cat Friends, a feral cat organization within Bloomington, to get that placed that cat placed back out into the community. So in Bloomington, it can save a cat's life by having mm-hmm. that ear tip. That's great. All right, Jake, does that yeah. answer your question? 
thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call, Jake. Uh, Sue Ann, we have to let you go. I want to thank you very much, Sue Ann Worling for, from Brown County, the Brown County Humane Society, for being here with us today. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great afternoon. All right. Thanks very much. You're listening to Noon Edition, and we'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. We have two guests left with us for the second half of the program. Charlotte Walker is from Pets Alive in Bloomington, and Sarah Delone is with the Monroe County Humane Association. We're talking about uh, spaying and neutering animals today, particularly in rural areas, and help uh, that's available for people who want to spay and, and neuter their cats and dogs. If you have questions or comments about any of this, Please give us a call at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And yesterday I had a picture of my dog, uh, Gracie, on, on Twitter to help promote the show. Yeah, and I think a lot of people today. have been yeah. placing there. photos <laughs> of their spayed or neutered animal on there. So right. it should be quite a parade of cuteness right it now was, if though. you go to the website. Right. Um, we have several different uh, avenues we want to approach uh, the second half of the program. One of the things I just want to sort of get out of the way is I know we, we're in a big college town, and I know a lot of college kids like to have pets when they come to Bloomington. I think there's been, I don't know if it's a myth, but certainly a perception that a lot of times some uh, somebody will come get their, their dog or cat, they're a student, and then they can't quite take care of it, or they're going to leave town for the first job or whatever and let the dog or cat go. Is that... Is that a, an issue that's unique to Bloomington? And is it Sarah? common? It's not uncommon, unfortunately, but I don't think it's quite as common as people like to think. I think I think a lot of people like to blame the college students on a high shelter intake, and I think proportionally there are college students that are very, very responsible and make excellent pet owners and think about it and, and plan for their pet down the road, and then there are those who will go out and buy a puppy and try to bring it into a no-pet housing, and it ends up at the shelter the next day. Mm -hmm. um, and runs the whole gamut. We see that with everyone else in the population as well. So I'm not sure that you can blame the, the college students for 
our whole shelter population, but certainly there are those that aren't that responsible and who, who don't really think about it. And the nice thing about the shelter is when people go to the shelter to adopt, they go through an adoption counseling process um, to help match the correct pet and the correct home. And while not everybody comes to the shelter to get their animals, usually the shelter does pretty good job of screening those people out who haven't thought about the long-term commitment necessarily necessary when taking care of any pet. Yes, I've actually heard a lot of people say, I think I went to more trouble to get this animal than I did when we had our son or daughter. So it, it, right. it is an extensive process, um, but I, I applaud them for doing it. I mean, it's an important thing to make sure that where it's going, it's going to be able to stay and have a good life. I have a total aside when it comes to students. I know there's a program the law school does every year where at some noon hour for two hours, they invite people in the community, I think, to bring their their animals there so the law students who are going through finals or whatever can have some stress-free time with with these animals in the community. Well, actually, that was our therapy animal program that we do through Mm -hmm. the Humane Association called Mm -hmm. VI Paws. Uh And those are trained screen volunteers Mm -hmm. um, who carry insurance. And we go through quite a a rigorous training process to be able to bring our animals to places like that. Not only do we go to the law school, we also go to a lot of the dorms during finals week. And we go to De-Stress Fest at the Wells Library. De-Stress Fest. De-Stress That's right. (laughs) Well, um, a topic that we haven't, another one we haven't touched on just yet is puppy mills. I imagine there are kitten mills as well. Now that I think about it, I hadn't thought about that before. But um, how much of an issue is that in our area and what's being done to um, curtail the number of animals that they're putting out into the community? Puppy mills are certainly a big problem throughout the country. Um, and kitten mills, not quite so much, just because there are so many kittens out there already. Um, and people don't seem to be as focused on wanting a, a particular, particular breed, breed necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think people are more likely to actually go to a shelter for a kitten or get one just out of a free kitten ad in the newspaper. Sure. They, don't, they don't see the point in paying for a kitten. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of places breeding multiple breeds of dogs and multiple mixes that they then sell for large amounts of money. Um, Labradoodles, Sheepoos, Yorkie-poos, Multipoos, anything that you can mix with a poodle. Yes, they make darling dogs, um, but they are truly a mixed-breed dog that you can find lots of them at shelters. And here people are paying $1,500 for a crossbred dog um, that they're not sure what they're going to get. I, I just think it's an interesting phenomena that we've, we've run into. And... Um, it, it's certainly a cause for concern. Sarah, do you think people's expectations are a little unrealistic when they, let's say they buy a, a Yorkie, or a, a, what was one of the breeds, like a... A Yorkie-poo? A Yorkie-poo, okay, okay, let's say. So they just assume that th- that dog will have these personality traits automatically? Absolutely. And then sometimes that doesn't happen, or often that doesn't happen? Or um, how does that work out? Well, unfortunately, a lot of times they think um, the animal will actually be healthier if it's a mix of two breeds. And while that can be the case in some cases, a lot of times when you have people breeding two breeds together, they're not looking at things like um, health issues, like things that might be common in one breed. Some breeds have 
kneecaps that tend to come out of place. Some breeds are prone to arthritis or hip dysplasia. And a lot of times those are not looked at as carefully if people are just tossing two animals together to make money. Um, and that that can make for some very unhappy situations where people get a an animal that ends up having a ton of health problems. I know in Indiana getting legislation passed um, about puppy mill regulation has been very difficult. We're an agricultural state, and I know that um, farm-related organizations are often very wary um, of any kind of legislation as it relates to the protection of uh, and regulation of, of keeping animals. Do you feel like uh, we've made any strides, or uh, where does that stand? Just kind of an update, if you don't mind. We have made very small in inroads, and we've made small steps, but I think Addressing this issue long term in Indiana is going to be a very gradual and a very small step by step process. Um, when you look to, to purchase a pet, um, I always like to know where they come from. Um, get them at the shelter if, it, if at all possible. But if you ever walk into a pet store or something like that and they do have puppies for sale, at least here in Bloomington, they have to post where they got them and who the breeders are. And to me, a, a really large red flag is if you see the same breeder for multiple different kinds of dogs. To me, that, that shows in kind of big red lights potential puppy mill because most people who are breeding for the love of dogs or breeding for a specific um, purpose have maybe one or two breeds, but you're not going to see them breeding multiple. Do you find that to be true, Charlotte? Yeah, absolutely. And what we find a little bit more is... um the more of the the backyard breeder, if you will, which which can be as as big of a, a problem as far as overpopulation is concerned. Um, so when we interact with anyone who you know wants to have a puppy or has had puppies, especially wants to um, to have puppies or kittens, we can sort of say, well, okay, are you familiar with what age they'll start needing vaccines? Do you know what the state requires? Are you prepared to vaccinate um, and, you know this many animals? And once you start telling them what it takes to be a responsible breeder, because a lot of people don't have any intention of being irresponsible, they just want puppies. Why not? (laughs) Um, Once we give them that information, they're um, a little bit um, different. And we do see a lot of dogs sort of coming through that have probably been purchased through um, in the long run puppy mills. Um, And you're just like, well, it's getting fixed. We're we're happy to be there. I I want to come back to this topic, but we have a phone call. So I want to go to the phone. And uh, Victor from Spencer is on the line. Victor? Hi. Hey, Victor, go ahead. Um, I live north of Spencer, and the issue I'd like you to to address a little bit is the role of law enforcement. Uh, the other night, there were three strays up on the highway here, and um, kind of had a go-around with the deputies. They do not transport dogs. Uh, apparently, the local humane does not accept them from the uh, deputies. And I'm telling them it's a hazard. They're telling me, well, you tell us what we should do. We don't transport them. Uh, we ultimately ended up bringing them onto my property and putting them into a fenced area that I have. And to their credit, uh, they did find the owner or a representative of the owner who did call and said that he'd be by the next morning to pick the dogs up. And he was there the next morning. Uh, but I was uh, a little aghast that if you have a hazard of three dogs on the highway, 
that uh, uh, the, and the two of them were pits. Uh, uh, a female that had clearly had pups very recently. Uh, very sweet dogs, but uh, uh, the relationship between the helping groups and law enforcement. If you'd speak to that some, and I'll uh, take the inf- I'll listen offline. Okay, thanks, Victor. It's a, r- a really challenging problem here in Indiana because it's all over the place, county to county, and typically the more rural the county, the less formalized animal control there is. We're lucky here in Monroe County. We have both the city animal control department and the county animal management department. The county animal management department is run through the sheriff's office, but many counties do not have any formalized animal control at all. And it makes for situations like you just described, and it's a very difficult thing um, to, for people to know what to do with those animals, those strays that we mm-hmm. find. And I'm sure you run into that with a lot of your transport partners. Right. And well, one, thanks to Victor for being the responsible citizen and sort mm-hmm. of taking that into his own hands. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of times in more rural areas what happens with, you know, feral cats, stray dogs, those sorts of things, because people are more, well, you know, I've got, I've got 50 acres for the dog to run on. Well, that's how she's going to um, have puppies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how she's going to run in the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, our transports definitely deal with that, and it's always it's always challenging because a lot of times it's um, the animal control duties are left to a sheriff's department. In, in Bloomington, there are though two specific animal management officers on the from the sheriff's department who do that. In most counties, it's it's sheriff's department employees who maybe haven't had sufficient training, mm-hmm. um, and they're working. And you know, Owen County is a perfect example. They're working with a smaller shelter that doesn't also have the resources to maybe help train them or to, to take in these animals. So it's really challenging. The Humane Society of the United States, though, I believe, is um, trying to start to work with more rural communities, getting training for law enforcement officers to help them know what to do. Because there are also things like a bat with potential that could be infected with rabies. You know, mm-hmm. public safety is really on the line. Um, so trying to get that training out to those those officers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. If you uh, want to join our program and talk about why you think spaying and neutering is important to the greater society, or if you don't, why you don't think it's important, please give us a call at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join us on wfiu.org slash noon edition. We have a live chat going on, and you can also follow us on Twitter at noon edition. I wanted to go back uh, briefly to the the idea of puppy mills. I want to ask each of you, have you have you been to one? Have you seen them? Sarah? Um actually I have participated in um raids on suspected puppy mills or mass breeding operations mm-hmm. and it was something I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Um it was not a nice situation. The one I went on was in the winter and there was a small room um, that had dogs stacked three high in cages, puppies who had just been war- been born. The only heat was a small space heater, and it was very difficult to breathe without a mask because um, of the, the odors involved. There were animals with open sores, animals who clearly hadn't been out of cages um, in quite a long time probably had never, ever had a haircut or grooming in their lives, completely matted, covered with fleas. And it it was just a very unpleasant situation. And a lot of people, when they get a cute little puppy, 
um, that may be brought to them by a person. Oh, the, the, the breeder says, well, I'll, you know, I don't want you to come to my house. I'll just go ahead and meet you at your house or meet you in the Walmart parking lot. To me, that's a huge red flag. If you are purchasing an animal from someone, you want to see where that animal was born, where that animal was raised, what its parents are like, or at least the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's an awful lot that can hide behind closed doors. And those cute puppies that come out of there, while they may be adorable and fluffy and cute and make wonderful companions, um, a lot of people don't realize the horror and the the situation that's going on behind closed doors for the parents. That you're actually animals. participating mm-hmm. in by, by purchasing, by an purchasing an animal. that animal. Well, I, I want to mention that. Uh, I'm glad you really described that. We have a we got a puppy from the from the uh, puppy mill raid of 2010. Maybe yep. it was in Greene County, um, and we, we took a mama. We took one of the one of the mother dogs, and and she's the sweetest dog. She's a little Shih Tzu. She's tiny. She was 18 months old, and she had, had her, just had her second litter yep. at 18 months old. And so I just wonder if that puppy mill hadn't been shut down, how many litters of puppies this poor girl was going to have. Um, we also have one of her puppies who's like twice her size because she's lived you know, with, without that. And what you described about um, the filth, I mean, this little dog, you know, she stayed with uh, – the at the shelter, the Humane Association participated – we got her from Pets Alive, who was housing her. So, you know, all these agencies really took care of this uh, this little dog for us. But, but my wife went out to see her, and there were a couple of, I think, volunteers who were just, like, picking the debris from between her feet and her toes because she was just filthy. And, and a lot of those dogs had trouble walking because their toenails were grown in a circular motion, and some of them had toenails growing up through their te- the bottom of their feet. Just mm-hmm. situations that no animal should have to suffer Endure, with. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to go to a phone call now. So Jim from Bloomington is on the phone. Jim? Yes. Um, regarding uh, feral cats um, and the damage they do nationally to the bird population, would it not be better when one catches one in with one of these cages to just go ahead and euthanize the animal instead of 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 spaying it and, and putting it back out in the forest or the neighborhood where where it was found? That's a really good question, and um, that's a really big topic of debate as well. Um, but what they've found in studies that have been done is a lot of times if you take that animal out and simply euthanize it, you create almost a vacuum effect where more animals can then come in and colonize that area and actually end up having more babies. If you spay and neuter them and put them out there, it's almost like you're taking the place of one that might be breeding otherwise. And gradually it's been shown that the numbers do decrease in a gradual basis, whereas in places where they were just trapping and euthanizing, they just kept trapping more and euthanizing more, and it would perpetuate the problem. They've been finding in many areas that gradually, if you put the neutered ones back out there, the problem slowly diminishes and slowly moves towards oblivion rather than just perpetuating Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On and on. Is a, um, is a female cat that territorial, though, that it would uh, defend an area and, and uh, discourage uh, another uh, cat from coming in its in in its uh, neighborhood or? Not or as much as if she spayed. 
you know, an unaltered animal is definitely going to be more to ter- territorial. So, if, again, if you're having those spayed or neutered pets sort of re-released back into your community in those areas, then they're less concerned with that because they're not worried about mating. And there have been a few studies that indicate that it's, it's tricky, too, because it's not always just the feral cats. It's sometimes Fluffy, the house cat, who's getting out and wants to, to you know, to, to catch a bird, too. Um, I'm, I'm aware of yeah. that. I'm taking that into consideration. But uh, in my neighborhood, the, the, the cats that are house cats here, you, you just don't see them out the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about uh, the, the, the biology of it. I mean, when, when you spay a cat and you put it back out there, there's still the pop, the, the, they could still, well... Have sex? Mm-hmm. I mean, so so you're you're not going to have babies then. I think that's the point that that Sarah's trying to well, make. Well, and they're they're just kind of taking up room that otherwise, um, you know, in the in the places they have studied this um, and have done a comparison of the trap, neuter, and kill and trap, neuter, and release, they do show a gradual reduction of the population when they put those neutered animals back there as can as compared to if they just keep pulling animals year after year after year. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Good. Okay, we have just a few more minutes to go. If you want to give us a call and talk about spaying and neutering, um, you can call us at 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348. Outside of the Bloomington area, wfiu.org slash noon edition is the website and Twitter. The Twitter handle is at Noon Edition. So what is the appropriate age at which to um, spay a cat or neuter a dog? Mm-hmm. Do I have that terminology right? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you spay females and neuter males. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, see. Um, I'm, I'm a city girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at Pets Alive, we do it as early as two months, provided that the animal weighs two pounds. And that's a procedure that is approved by the American Veterinary Medical Association. Um, a lot of um, more sort of old school thought of vets will say wait until six months or, again, the myth of waiting until she has her first heat cycle. But there's a huge risk in that. And to be honest, for most for most pet owners, getting your pet fixed at two months um, isn't completely necessary if you want to wait until four or six, you know, acceptable. We'll do the surgery then, too. Mm -hmm, Um, But that two months is really, you know, one, someone who just wants to be really proactive and not worry about that first heat being the one where the pet gets Mm -hmm. pregnant or, um, you know, that their dog, their young male um, could go impregnate a female and contribute in that way. It's important. But for our animal shelters, it's so important Mm -hmm. when they have these adorable two-month-old puppies that they want to put up for adoption. Well, if they wait four months to put them up for adoption, somehow a six-month-old puppy is not nearly as, <laughs> as cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do they do with these dogs for four months while they're waiting to get mm-hmm. fixed? Mm-hmm. They could adopt them out without being fixed, but then they may be also creating some litters in that regard. So being able to do the, the two-month, two-pound surgery um, for shelters is a huge, huge boon to them. Okay. Well, let's just review in the last couple of minutes for people who may not feel like they can afford to spay or neuter uh, their their companion animals. Uh, what what services are available, Sarah? First, through the Humane Association. Um, well, through the Humane Association, there's a number of things. There's our general spay neuter assistance program, which is called SNAP, and it's available all year round for lower income individuals. Um, call in. We take an application over the phone. We send out a voucher that covers a portion of that spay or neuter for your pet. There's also, um, there used to be a huge problem with people who, they called them 
frequent flyers at the animal shelter. Would just bring in litter after litter after litter after puppy or kitten. Um, same animals having babies year in, year out. Um, and bringing those babies to the animal shelter because they couldn't find homes for them. We also have the litter relinquishment program, whereas anyone who brings in a litter of dogs or cats to the shelter and needs to give them up, we can provide vouchers for both parent animals to be spayed or neutered for free. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another great option. And then combine um, those programs with various specials we have and then combine them with the specials that Pets Alive has and you can really get a lot of animals fixed for a very low price. Mm-hmm. Charlotte? Yeah, so we do as much as we can to um, get grants to help further reduce the cost. You know, we, we subsidize um, the remaining fee. You know, we charge half. We use donations and fundraising for the rest. But anytime we can get a grant, it always subsidizes the, the cost for owner. Um, so we're still doing our part in working in fundraising, but that cost to owner is lower. And that's mm-hmm. so every time we lower the cost, our surgery numbers really, really increase. So, um, again, the grant in April will have um, the other program that's a possibility that we love. It's throughout the state um, because we love being able to refer people to Monroe County Humane Association, but that doesn't work for all the people that we serve. Um, it's through um, Spadeater Services of Indiana. It's SNSI. So if you've seen the pet-friendly license plates throughout town, that's where that money is going into a state fund for anyone who receives basically any form of um, federal assistance or if they meet certain income um, requirements, um, they can receive a voucher. Basically, they would send in proof of eligibility and a $20 money order, and then they'll get a voucher back that they can use at our clinic, and they're actually veterinarians throughout the state who participate in this program. So they can, you know, in Terre Haute, they can drop it off with their pet for surgery there, or they can go to a local vet wherever they are. Um, so then they're just paying for that. Okay, so we are out of time. And we're going to, our producer will put the, uh, the phone numbers for these two operations on the website, I hope. So if you have further questions, you can give them a call. I want to thank Charlotte Walker from Pets Alive and Sarah DeLone from the Monroe County Humane Association for producer Claire McInerney, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Mary Catherine Carmichael. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, Addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement. Offering undergraduate and advanced degrees. publichealth.indiana.edu.